My name is August McLaughlin, and I've been contemplating girl boners for years. It's time for Girl Boner Radio with August McLaughlin. A spicy blend of personal stories, in-depth reporting, and inspiration. Girl Boner is where good girls go for sexual empowerment. Listen in as August McLaughlin, award-winning health and sexuality writer, explores female sexual pleasure like no one else. She's the big sister slash girlfriend you've always wanted, and she loves to talk sex. Only on Global Voice Broadcasting. Sex work and self-care. Have you ever heard the terms paired before or thought about the correlation? Welcome back to Girl Boner Radio, everyone. I'm your host, August McLaughlin, and today we are going to explore this topic with a fabulous expert. A bit later in the show, we'll hear from Dr. Megan, who has advice for a listener whose symptoms of depression are interfering with her sex life, plus my review of the Llama Rose Prism. It's a magical vibrator, thanks to the pleasure chest. But first, I'm so thrilled to welcome Lola Davina to the show. Thank you for joining me, Lola. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing so great, August. Thank you so much for having me on. And um, just as a, as a bad girl, um, I, I'm just so, so happy to be invited to where the good girls talk about sex. Um, <laughs> I'm just delighted. <laughs> delighted to be here. Oh, thank you. I've really been looking forward to this. As you know, I follow your work online, and I noticed your messaging is so empowering, and I've been fascinated. Would you just share with listeners a bit about your background and kind of who you are? Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, so um, I'm, I'm just about to turn 49 right now, but um, I, I, back when I was 22 years old, um, I started stripping um, out of curiosity mainly and, and a desire to make money. Um, and somebody smarter than me once said that stripping is a gateway drug. I, I really, I, I found a, a wonderful tribe of women and I, I, I love the work. I found myself doing some professional domination. I did a little bit of porn, but eventually I, I, I found escorting. And once I found prostitution, I had knew I had found my calling. I, I, I really took to it. Uh, so I worked as an escort for several years. Um, I took some time off, uh, and then I returned to it in my early 30s. Um, so I always I I had two very different experiences being a sex worker in my in my early 20s and in my 30s. It was definitely uh, you know, that was two different worlds. I was two different people, and I came at it from two completely different directions. And I'm, I'm glad that I did. I, I learned a lot both times. Um, but I've been retired now for about 12 years. And a, a couple of years ago, I got inspired with the thought, uh, with the question of sex work and self care from, well, you know, a decade of distance, right? I'm, you know, being older, wiser, you know, having you know, all these different life experiences and uh, thinking about how I would advise somebody just getting into the business themselves or somebody who's been at it for a while. Um, I like to say I've, I've spent the last, you know, quarter of a century in and around the sex industry. I've never stopped thinking about it. Um, so, yeah, I, I was inspired to write this book, Thriving in Sex Work, Heartfelt Advice for Staying Stained in the Sex Industry, as a self-help book for sex workers. Because so much of the work that we do is emotional. Um, you know, I don't know, August, I mean, you probably invited me on here to talk about sex. And, 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 and I understand that completely. We think about sex and we think about sex work. We think about our bodies and how we dress and how we talk and all that stuff. But it turns out when you arouse people for a living, it's an incredibly emotional experience. 
you're taking on your own emotions and you're taking on the emotions of the other people around you. Wow. Yeah, I can imagine. And it sounds like such an important book. I know it's coming out this spring. I can't wait to read it myself, even as a, a non-sex worker who's, well, I guess I'm in the sex industry, but I um, I feel like there are so many uh, universal takeaways as well. And as you said, it's so needed for sex workers. And you wrote that the book offers, and you just mentioned too, you kind of self-care advice that you wish you had had um, when you were coping with the ways the sex industry made you feel, which was this whole mix of emotions. Uh, would you speak to that? And maybe what was some of the big advice you wish that you had learned? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, um, one thing I, I, I feel like I should almost put as a disclaimer on the, on the cover of the book and, and maybe even as like a tagline now at the bottom of every page, like, I'm, I'm writing this now because I didn't do it right the first time. Um, you know, I, I would, I would say that, um, just for, you know, for instance, when I was in my thirties, I, I, I had so much more self-awareness and self-esteem and, 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 you know, kind of sense of myself as a professional person as compared to when I was in my twenties, when I just have to say that emotionally I would kind of react like a Roomba to anything that would happen to me. You know, somebody would say something to me and, you know, I, I you know, I kind of run around banging against the walls for several days. It, you know, I, I was very reactive. So, yes, I, I, I think looking back, I wish I had had someone that I could talk to, you know, someone like you, August, an older sister, a big, you know, a friend, someone that I could talk about how the sex work made me feel. Because it, um, there are so many I would say contradictory and complex and overwhelming messages that we get when we're doing the sex work, right? I mean, you can feel very, very powerful, very, very beautiful, seductive, and, and, you know, you're making, you know, maybe you're making a, a lot of money, what feels like a lot of money in a short amount of time. But at the same time, you're competing against, you know, very attractive people. You're dealing with, you know, whatever your client base is, whether you're dealing with them in person or you're doing, dealing with them on the phone or you're dealing with them online, they're bringing all of their baggage, a lot of different emotions. Like I say, get stirred up when people are aroused or when they're looking for a good time. And so it can be very complex uh, and, and overwhelming. And it's not an easy job to just like, you know, hang up your high heels and leave at the office, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of times we take that home and we carry it with us as a sense of who we are as people, as sexual beings. So my book was really intended to speak to that directly so that people read stories and hear stories that, that they see in themselves and then also offer some practical advice to kind of help folks work through these emotions, anger and low self-esteem and envy and you know, shame and fear and sadness, all these things that we might encounter in the job. I love that. And I imagine the positive emotions, which you list many, I know, uh, like you said, powerful, beautiful, fabulous, all these wonderful emotions. And then the, the negative emotions, like you said, if you bring home the work or you bring home anxiety or guilt or shame, what what is one kind of practical step that you would advise somebody who comes home from their work and they are feeling one of those really negative emotions? Where, where should they turn? Oh, that's such a great question. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, that just, just that right there, just that right there, you know, you come home from work and you have, have had a terrible day, you know, something has happened, someone has said something or done something and, you know, you're just kind of drenched in that 
terrible emotion, whether it's fear, whether it's a feeling of being humiliated, um, whether it's a sense of frustration. I mean, my very best Lola Divina <laughs> advice would first to be just please make taking care of yourself your very first step of whatever you have to do for that day. So if that means just, you know, taking off your work clothes and getting in the shower and getting clean, if it means, you know, eating some some well-prepared food that feels really good to you and really nourishes your body, um, listening to some music, um, calling up a friend and getting some support, you know, just having whatever you're feeling on the inside, speaking it out and, you know, hear it, having somebody hear it and having somebody empathize with you and reflect it back to you. Um, it's, it's a, it's a scourge, unfortunately, of the sex industry. And I, you know, I certainly experienced it myself and I read about it all the time online. Folks feel really isolated. It's hard to find community. Um, so I just encourage you to, to first of all, take care of yourself and, and, and connect with those people around you who, who love you and care for you and, and are support you no matter what. I love that. Yeah, it sounds so important and and such a thing important thing for all of us to do. But especially when you're dealing with these intense emotions and all that, you share this um, excerpt on your website, and you say that in part three you talk about thriving in sex work and how you can know if you have a truly wealthy life, basically, in, in your work. And mm -hmm. one of the items that really struck me was you are healthy and have interest in physical pleasure, partly because I think I think there's a, a stigma about pleasure. I know that years and years and years ago, you know, growing up, I thought that people were, you know, forced into sex work and that, that it wasn't pleasurable. And now I know quite different, that many people enter the industry because they love the work, they love helping people, they love sex, they love the pleasure, all of that. Um, would you speak to to that? How does uh, interest in physical pleasure kind of correlate to feeling like you're thriving? Mm -hmm. Right. So, yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I mean, there's, it's, it's, there's such a spectrum, right? I think, I mean, I'll just, I, to me, it, it, how can I say this? Certain kinds of sex work or, or certain aspects of sex work are never going to be that fun, right? If you're, if you're a stripper, wearing high heels for an eight hour shift is never going to be fun. I mean, so <laughs> I mean, true. You, right. It doesn't, you know, that is just, that's a part of the job that, um, you know, you may look fabulous. You may love those shoes because they make your legs look great, but you know, it, it, it takes a toll on your physical body. So I'm not trying to sugarcoat the fact that, you know, there are, your body does things that it doesn't want to do in sex work all the time. Um, but I do also want to encourage and, and like have sex worker who's sex workers who are doing the job, leave their minds open to the places where the job does feel pleasurable and go ahead and just take that as your, as your birthright, take that as, as you know, you get to own that, you get to enjoy that. So if, you know, you really like dressing up in latex. It's like, you know, rolling that rubber on your skin. It feels great. Like, in, just just allow yourself to enjoy that. Um, you know, I, for instance, I did full service, you know, prostitution. I, I did not enjoy having sex with every single one of my clients, but I did try to find the things that I liked to do with them. And, you know, often, I'll, I'll be honest, they weren't necessarily sexual. They might have just been sensual or talking or 
you know, there might be some part of the time together to kind of lean into that and, and let yourself enjoy it. Let yourself enjoy it. Um, I'm not saying that's an issue for everyone, that, that everyone, that all sex workers kind of hold back and, and, and don't allow themselves to enjoy the work that they're doing. But I guess if, if you just need that little nudge to say, you know, it's really, it's okay to like what you do. It's, it's okay to enjoy it. It's okay to have fun. Um, it's okay to enjoy talking dirty or whatever, you know, that part of the job is. You know, kind of let go of any guilt or shame or, or, you know, feeling like, that I don't know. It, it, I just would inc- always encourage for folks to enjoy the work as much as they can. You know, the, not to say that there's always you, you're not going to like every part of the job. Of the job that would be weird, almost, right? I mean, August, you've got a pretty sweet job, but I bet there's parts of it that you don't like doing. I mean, it's, it's okay to not love everything about your job. Um, but it's also really okay to love the parts of it that you do like. Well said. Yes, because jobs are work, right? They're going to be <laughs> stressful and right. not every That's piece, right. but the hopefully the pleasurable parts drive us. And if we focus on that, I know that definitely gets me through too. So that, that really resonates. Mm-hmm. And speaking of uh, gratification and, and pleasure, you also talk about um, – you know, making sure that clients provide you gratification and and money that you deserve. Mm-hmm. And I wonder mm-hmm. how how do you approach that? Because I know a lot of times you're working very independently. So are there standards or how do you set those rates and make sure that you are being fairly compensated? Well, that's a that's a great question. It's a complex question, and it's gonna it's gonna differ for everyone. And I you know, I've, whenever I, I hear a question and I think the, the term sex work, the first thing I do is I run through my mind all the various job titles. Like like for instance, when you're a stripper, I mean your 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 interaction your job to to get money from, from clients, you may you may cycle through several hundred clients in in a shift, right? So that's you know, those you know, coming up with those strategies for saying I'm going to spend a certain amount of time with this person and if I get what I what I want what I deserve I'll stay and if I don't I'm going to move on it's very very different than if you're advertising as an independent as a, as a dominatrix or as a as a full service sex worker or as a, a, a tantric excuse me hands-on massage person um, some of it is is knowing your worth and knowing your value and knowing that it's okay to ask for money for what you do. And for some of us, that's not necessarily easy or intuitive or, or, or a skill set that we can conjure up easily. Um, I mean, money is emotional. That that's something that I talk about a lot in the book is just how, how we feel about money and how we feel about asking for money for our sexuality. And let me tell you, if, if, if you're a sex worker and you have any glitch or any hiccup or any giddy up in thinking, I deserve this $400 for an hour of my time, it's going to show up. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yes. going to buy, you'll, you know, it's going to, it's going to infuse your, your screening process and your, and your conversations with potential clients. So I don't have an easy answer for that. It, but I, what I can, do is I can point, I can shine a light on, in the direction of saying that when you know what you're worth, when you, when you fully embody that, when you feel that in your solar plexus and you know that when, what you're asking for is good value, it makes it a whole lot easier 
to just turn those people away that are just want to jerk you around and talk to you for free or or haggle you down or whatever it is. Mm. Um, but when you don't know that, when you when you suffer that that doubt in your core, um, it it makes it harder. It makes it harder to negotiate. It makes it harder to maintain your boundaries. It's I, I, I listen. I've worked from both places, so I can speak to this, you know, with a fair amount of with a fair amount of um, personal truth. Um, I've I've worked when I felt very very insecure about myself, and I've worked when I felt very secure about myself. I just tell you, feeling secure about yourself feels better. Um, like I said, I don't have an easy answer for that. But if you're a, if you're a sex worker out there listening to this right now, I mean, I guess I would just ask. Just put your hand on your solar plexus and take a few deep breaths and just how does it feel to ask for the money that you ask for? Um, you know, does that feel solid and good and right? Or does that make you feel scared or small or like you're an imposter who's asking for something that they don't really deserve? Mm. Um, that, that's that, that's going to tell you a lot right there about your relationship to your rate or or to what you, you know, to what, what you believe you're worth. Yes. I love that. I love that. Knowing your worth and, and exploring those emotions, because it seems so often in life, it, when we have low self-worth or we are experiencing self-doubt, stepping into it is the way and exploring it is the way out. And it's, it's scary. It doesn't feel good. But it's it it's, is it's it is so important it, when you're when, when you're standing in a dressing room with like twenty other people who you think are more gorgeous than you are it's really it's a masterclass <laughs> in self love I will tell you yeah I mean it, I, I I'm not trying to trivialize it, it it's serious yeah. and and I and I uh, you know I it's I I think again when you ask me the question what do I wish that I had known when I was younger that's one of the things that I really wish I had learned sooner rather than later. Beautiful. Speaking of your experience, so you said that, you know, a lot of what you've put into the book are, you know, lessons that you wish you had known and things you wish you had done better or, or more, quote, right, that kind of thing. I imagine you also had some experiences where you felt like, you know what, I, I did do that right. And I wonder, could you share <laughs> something from your, from your path that others might kind of glean something from where you really felt like you did the self-care thing, you did the thriving thing and, and did well? Oh, yeah, that, I love that. Well, I, I, when I came back to work in my 30s, um, I really needed money. Uh, I had, had gotten myself into a terrible, terrible situation. I had gone through a personal bankruptcy. I was going through a, a devastating personal breakup. And there was still a lot of outstanding debt. And uh, I knew that I needed to make a lot of money in a short amount of time. And I, I thought, well, sex work is the way that I know how to do that. Well, August, I, so I found myself 33 years old, right? And, and I, I'm coming back into town and, and I, I was thinking, well, I'm, I'm pretty much washed up, like, I mean, I'm so old, like, how can I ever make any money? Um, and thank goodness I had a good friend of mine who just grabbed me by the nape of the neck and said, Lola, you're at the peak of your, your earning capacity. I want you to go downtown and get yourself a, a, a decent, you know, apartment in the financial district. And I want you to charge double what you did last time. You know, I want you to charge double what you did when you were in your 20s. Mm -hmm. And I was like, double? Uh -huh. I was going to charge half. <laughs> and she said, no, that's not what you're going to do. Um, it was, I, I know you're talking about an instance where I was, I was doing some, 
self-care. I would just say I, I, I'm using an example of where I was so grateful that somebody outside of myself could see me more clearly than I could see myself because she was right. I mean, I took the chance. I rented the apartment. I put up my rates. I did great. Mm. Um, and I, 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 I wish I wish I had had the internal sense to just say, I, you know, I know what I'm worth. Um, but I, fortunately, I had somebody outside of myself to do that. Um, but what I also with the same person's encouragement about a year and a half later, I started raising my rates. Um, I kept my, you know, I kept my, my, my grandfather did my old clients, but I started raising my rates because I thought, you know what, I don't, I don't need to hustle to get new clients. And if I'm going to see new clients, they're going to have to pay me more to see me. So, um, that was something that I grew into and it, it took time to develop that. Um, but I did get to that point where I, I could honestly say, I don't, if I'm going to see somebody new, they're going to need to pay me more. And, uh, yeah, just considering where I'd been a year, year and a half before that, that was, that was like a step up for me. Yeah, that's inspiring. I think we can all learn from that, too, and that the confidence grows. And sometimes we do need affirmation from people who see our worth maybe more so than we do. And I know you talk about support networks. Could you speak to the importance of surrounding yourself with, with good folks? It's invaluable. I, I, it's, it's one of those things, if I could give every sex worker alive one gift it would be a support network it would be folks that you can text and come home to and folks who check in on you when they haven't heard you from a for a while um i had a, a good good girlfriend who we had our our little text uh code no 411 or, or no i'm sorry it was 811 and 911 811 was it wasn't an emergency but it i could really use to talk and 911 was like drop everything i need to talk right now um and having that person, um, and sometimes you don't even need to use them, just knowing that they're there. Um, so finding a support network is, is, is not necessarily easy. Um, I just encourage you when you do where, when whatever job title you have, whether you're online camming, whether you're stripping, whether you're a full service provider, if you, if you can start building that network, you know, you know, reaching out online saying, you know, look, I'm, I'm looking for people that I can get to know better, you know, either in real life or that I can have a support network through texting or whatever that is. Um, over and over and over again, I hear from sex workers how lonely and isolated they are. So I always have to ask the question, if you're feeling lonely and isolated, will you be there for somebody else who is feeling lonely and isolated? And if you say yes, those are two people who can be there for one another. You know what I'm saying? Yes, um, I love that. I love that. And it can be really hard to reach out when you are very independent and driven. And if you're mm -hmm. doing work and you're your own boss and you're out there doing all this, it, sometimes, especially because sex workers, often, depending on what your role is, you are the person who's helping other people. So I imagine sometimes it's kind of you're always helping everyone else. Is that the case? Well, I think I, I certainly think that that can be true, and I, I and there's a certainly with independent, you know, sex workers are working independently. I know this is a real scourge. It's like you're you're always on call, right? Because it, if at any moment you can just drop everything and make, you know, a couple hundred bucks, why wouldn't you do that? So I, I certainly know the, um, the 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 scheduling issues that can make it hard to 
connect with someone and, and build a, you know, build, you know, have the in real life experiences that build a friendship when, you know, either person at any given time can just say, oh, I'm so sorry, I just got a call, I, I got to go work, can we reschedule next week? Um, so those, I, 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 I say it, and I know how hard it is to do it, you know, there's that saying, friends are like teeth. If you ignore them, they go away. I mean, as, as sex workers, it's really important to build community and, and have community. And part of that means being there for people, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, setting is carving out that time for the, for the, for the friends who really can support you. Uh, it, it's important to do, even though sometimes we, 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 uh, that can cut into our earning capacity. You mentioned too, uh, it's very tempting or very advantageous to take work like you're if you're always on call or even if it's just mm-hmm. you know a great opportunity but maybe you're really pushing yourself to the max I know some people um, in in many different industries kind of deal with that when you're doing your own kind of thing uh, sometimes you have to say no to things and saying no to money can be hard too because there's that emotional kind of you know like as you mentioned uh, connection to, to finances how do you recommend kind of keeping balance and not burning yourself out Mm, that's oh boy i could just write a book on that um the sequel (laughs) (laughs) the sequel yes yeah i I, it's not easy to do and like you say many many self-employed people deal with this exact problem i recommend strict time management i recommend for instance again i'm just i'm just talking to folks now who are are working independently you know if you're if you're working for a strip club or if you're working for a porn company you can't set up your time this way so i'm going to be excluded some people when i say this but um you know post your hours online um have a really clear protocol for when you call people back or get back you know how you text them email them call them whatever form whatever form of communication that you use um for instance, have a two-hour window every day where you pick up the phone or you answer a text right away and always honor it. Um, and then the rest of the time, be on a, like a four-hour, I'll get back you know, I'll get back to you within four hours or by 10 o'clock of the next business day. Set, laying out your time like that and then so that you're, you're, you're available to speak in person, you, you honor, you do what you say you're going to do. So if somebody calls and leaves a message, you, you get back to them in the time that you say that you're going to do that. And then when you're off, be all the way off. Like turn your phone off. Don't don't answer your your work emails before you go to bed. Like just just you know putting that 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 compartmentalizing your time so that when you're on and available, you're on. You know, and when you're off, you are all the way off. It's like give yourself the gift of being all the way off, and that is hard to do. I mean, talk about something that I didn't do well for a long time. I, it, it took me a long time to get to that, um, and I finally did, and, and it helped a lot, and just in terms of my sanity. It helped my business, though, too. I have to be honest. It it made me more reliable, more consistent. Um, it, 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 was, it was a better use of my time. Um, I thought I was doing myself a favor by being available all the time, but it, it doesn't actually work like that. I could see that, and also, just as you were saying, knowing your own worth, I think when you value your time, then maybe your clients would too, in some ways, like knowing that they can't just reach out at any moment, yeah. you know, that's that's yeah, really interesting. Right. And what about from a physical health standpoint, what do you recommend for self-care? Well, uh, certainly listening to your body, for sure. 
And uh, again, I'm going to speak in generalizations, but I'll just say that I think it's one of the things in sex work, uh, when you're a sex worker, that can be a lot of, I think, just kind of low-level, unconscious fear about your body. Like, for instance, this is just an example. Say if you're depressed, if you wake up one day and you're just, you're sad and you're lethargic and, you know, you just want to lie around in your sweatpants all day. Um, You know, when you're depressed, your sex drive gets right and, and you don't feel sexually attractive it's, it's really you know I don't know because you've ever tried to like be seductive when you're feeling really sad it, it's hard it, it, it's like you don't I don't know there's no juice it's like you're, it's like turning on electric light and the, and the bulb is out like it's it, it's just there's no spark there um and sometimes it you know in order to pay the bills you have to push through that you have to act even when you, your body doesn't want to um but I definitely recommend listening to your body, treating it like it always has something really important to say to you, um, not just treating it like a machine that you stick food in and you expect it to do what, what it's supposed to do. Um, disconnecting from our bodies like that is a really um, easy way to, to get to the point where we become physically burned out, like our bodies just say, yeah, I'm not doing this anymore. I just, I, I will not perform for you the way that, that you're asking me to. Um, and, and that's, that's not good. Um, so I, I always recommend having good food or, you know, in the house, you know, rather than easy snack food that, you know, you know, you know, you shouldn't be eating that, you know, keep, keep the food in the house that you know you should be eating rather than, than that snack food that you just grab when you're ravenous and, and, or you're bored or whatever it is. Um, you know, definitely be mindful about, exercise and and taking care of it I mean, we have to be just we have to take literally the words the words take care of that phrase take care of your body it's it's not just keep it looking a certain way it, it means caring about what your body feels like and 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 what it wants and i just uh encourage you to 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 love your body um and and take care of it and all the ways that you, all the good ways that you know how rather than just treating it like the machine that makes you money beautifully said i love that so much um, before i let you go i would love to hear what one of your favorite current self-care practices is oh i would have to say <laughs> the one that i've been doing a lot of uh is deep breathing and mindfulness um, when my emotions and when my thoughts and my fears are spinning out of control, my anxieties, uh, my whatever, whatever fear I'm projecting onto the future, um, is just to stop and take a few deep breaths and just return to a grounded center. Um, remind myself that I'm right now in this moment, I'm, I'm physically fine in my body and, and that I'm safe and, you know, kind of going, you know, concentric circles out from that, that the people in my house are safe, the, my friends in my in my circle are safe, um, extending that out as far as I can into the world and, and just try and not let whatever panic or emotions that are r- running away with me eat me from, al- eat me al- alive when I'm sitting in my house and I'm fine, you know, when I'm actually, when I'm actually safe in this moment. Um, which hopefully then gives you the spaciousness to act courageously 
um, when you are faced with, with an actual danger that's right in front of you, mm. right? Not, 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 uh, not getting eaten out from the inside in a moment when you're actually not in danger and really practicing that and, uh, trying to have that sense of just calm and mindfulness in my ordinary life. And, and if, um, I'm hoping that everyone can use that right now. Are you kidding me? As you were speaking, I felt my pulse slow down. I'm like, you just totally relaxed me. So I'm sure it's going to be very effective and I appreciate it very much. And it's been so much fun chatting with you. And I I love what you're doing. Would you please um, tell people where they can learn more about you and potentially order the book soon? Oh, thank you, August. Yes. Well, Okay, you can find me at lolavina.com, just how it sounds, L-O-L-A-D-A-V-I-N-A.com. Um, and you can also find me over on Twitter. I Twitter quite a bit, um, and I'm on Facebook, too. You can look me up there. I, I, my goal right now is to have the book out on April 1st, and fingers crossed it will be. <laughs> um, and thank you again for this opportunity, August. It's so great to talk to you. You as well. Thank you so much, Lola. What a fascinating and caring and loving soul. I'm super excited about her book and I will be sure to share the link to her website in the follow-up post. Next, we have a wonderful question from a listener who asked this. Dear Dr. Megan, I struggle with depression, which has been tanking my energy levels lately. I want to have sex with my boyfriend, but by the time we're both home from work, I'm usually too exhausted. I literally sleep, work, sleep. That's it lately. Amazingly, he has not complained. Even so, I want to improve things for both of us. By the way, I'm in therapy, which is going okay, but not great. And meds haven't helped much as of yet either. Thank you so much. And thank you for your question. I think it's so important. And as Lola was just saying, you know, when when we're feeling down, it's hard to, to feel aroused and to have the energy and all of that. And I think a lot of people are going to relate to this question. So thank you. Here's what Dr. Megan had to say. Chris, thanks so much for your question. Um, you know, first I want to say, I think... Uh, it's fantastic that although you struggle with depression, you're actively seeking treatment, both in terms of psychotherapy as well as medication. Um, and I guess I want to sort of maybe start with that part because you sort of say toward the end of your question that it's going okay but not great. Um, I think it's critically important uh, with depression or honestly with any um challenge anyone might be struggling with that if you're seeking help, which is fantastic, that you're really vetting to make sure that you're finding the right fit. Um, Because, you know, I sort of train like mad and I can tell you there are uh, so many ways of working, so many techniques that we use, um, so many, in a sense, schools of thought or theoretical orientations and you know, how we even conceptualize or frame um, those challenges or difficulties. And I think getting a, a solid assessment and ultimately finding a relationship that, you know, you're sort of setting goals and you're seeing that there's progress. I always sort of say it's kind of like a good stock uh, good stock on the stock market that it's trending in the right direction. Sure, you're going to have your ups and downs, but when you go down, you know, you don't go exactly back to where you were because you've always learned from where you've been. And so if there's one thing I can uh, really want any want to take away from this question, it's make sure that you're in a therapy where you're getting results. Um, and 
when you initially seek a therapist, my first recommendation is that you actually have a consultation with more than one, even when and if you feel the first one's a good fit, because we only know what we know, and we don't know what we don't know. And when and if you go to another one and you see how that feels different and the questions that they ask, I think then you can make um, a more educated decision about, you know, or, or actually maybe have more questions because of the different questions that they asked or their personalities. Um, so really just be curious in that way, um, because I think that first and foremost is the most effective way to um, effectively address any challenge, especially in this case, depression. And then the other part of that is medications. And when it comes to depression, um, for those who may not have it, it's to recognize that we've come a long way even from the 80s and Prozac. And Prozac is a SSRI, a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor, which for many people, um, both for depression and anxiety, was really a game changer, a life changer, um, and far better than some of the older tricyclics or uh, MAOIs. And now we even have the SNRIs, um, the noradrenaline, uh, serotonin and noradrenaline reuptake inhibitors. So I only say that to recognize when if a medication isn't working, um, sometimes you may not yet be at the right or therapeutic dose. Uh, the other thing to consider is sometimes they might, or there's sexual say side effects, like on these SSRIs, very common, they might lower the dose because it's a dose related side effect and add something like Wellbutrin, which is also an antidepressant, but um, if anything, they sort of say pro-sexual, but it's not really held up in uh, any clinical trials, but that it definitely doesn't have the same sexual side effects as an SSRI. So again, finding the right medication and in combination with therapy, uh, the research is very clear. It's that combination that leads to best outcomes. Okay. So I feel like I gave a little education there or maybe felt like a little bit like a lecture, but I'm really passionate about people finding the right fit when it comes to therapy and, and really getting help for depression and anxiety. Um, okay, so the rest of it, then, and importantly, is the situation with your boyfriend. And um, listen, one of the criteria for depression is lack of sexual interest, lack of desire, and as well as lack, lack of energy. So right out the gate, you're telling me you've got two of what uh, is part of the part of the package. So I think part is educating your boyfriend that, you know, what makes sense about these symptoms and how it's not in any way related uh, to him or um, your interest in the relationship as a whole. And I think this part is so important is that because you said, you know, what a great guy he hasn't complained. But I think even though he's not talking about it, it might feel like an elephant in the room. So there's so much value to just putting out there, you know, I know we haven't been having sex as much. And I'm sure he sees that you're dog tired. Um, and that all you're doing is sleeping and working and sleeping. And you know, that's not much quality of life. So I imagine he's got a lot of empathy and, um, you know, recognizes that you don't have the energy. So definitely let him know it's on your mind and keep that conversation alive and open, knowing that even though you feel like you don't have the energy in this moment, it's still on your mind and you're thinking about him and you miss that connection and, um, and you miss sex. So that's sort of my first tip is to have that conversation. And the second is the role of conserving energy. Um, you know, I think some of us have more energy even when we're depressed at certain times of the day. For most of us, I would say it's first thing in the morning when we're more rested and relaxed. So, you know, could you go to work a little bit later or can you take advantage of the weekends? And, you know, when you're just waking up or maybe it's after that cup of coffee, you know, really choose times that you have more peak energy and optimize those for intimacy, as well as when I say conserving energy that, um, you know, maybe you take a nap or uh, you wait on that workout 
or you have dinner earlier, just think about some of the um, lifestyle modifications you might make that could give you more energy. Um, and certainly, I think there's also the role of um, you know, even smells like sort of uh, peppermint or eucalyptus that can be sort of um, help you stay more alert. And then the other thing I would say here is that um, it's just really important that you honor where you're at and conserve the energy and just see if in small ways you guys can, um, again, maybe it's not full penetration, but it's physical touch and maybe you're just bringing to orgasm. In fact, orgasm might be a great relief for sort of the stress and tension that's part of depression. So anyway, I've said a lot, hope that uh, gives you some next steps and that you really do find uh, both the right medication and the right therapist. Uh, and as always, can't wait to hear how it goes. Definitely follow up. Thanks. Thank you so much, Dr. Megan. So brilliant. Uh, definitely check out her website, greatlifegreatsex.com, to learn more of her wonderful thoughts and about her work. Chris, I hope that was helpful to you. I really related to some of what um, Dr. Megan said and and what you've shared, too. I think the thing about getting results, I've, I've been in the situation years ago when I was going through a period of depression and was working with a therapist who was not a good fit with me at all. And for some reason, I just kept going. I think I just kind of felt like this was my option. And like this was because it was therapy, it was supposed to be helping me and that somehow it was my fault that it wasn't going well. And it really was just bad, bad chemistry. There's different approaches, like Dr. Megan said. And I, I'm so glad that eventually I got out of that and realized that she's right. I think it's really important to, and it's hard because you have to advocate for yourself too. And it's hard enough to kind of like get things rolling, right? To get a therapist, to set an appointment, to work with your insurance if you do or whatever. Um, but I do think it's worth it. And I, I love what Dr. Megan said about that. Also about talking, you know, talking with your your guy. It's great that he is um, being supportive, and I hope that your conversations go well for sure. And also honoring where you're at is so important. I think that's true for all of us, and we can all learn from that idea of saying, "This is where I am now," and and embracing ourselves where we are at, even when we have all the trials and struggles. And it's hard, man. Um, but we are all cheering for you, Chris, and wishing you the very, very best. Thank you again for your question. Before I let you all go, I have to sing the praises of our latest toy of the month brought to you by the Pleasure Chest. The Llama Rose 7. I've had the pleasure 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 of trying out and you guys it's awesome it's a rabbit style vibrator and it's basically designed to stimulate both the g-spot and the clit at the same time and it has dual motors and several vibration patterns so there's like um really kind of subtle vibe you can amp it up to high vibe you can do this one that's like staccato vibe uh it's waterproof so you can use it in the shower it's silicone 100 so it's body safe we love that and it is rechargeable i love the shape and look of it it's it's this beautiful blue color so many toys seem to be like pink or peach or you know, kind of just really neutral colors. And this is this lovely, lovely blue. And it comes with this black uh, velvet bag for easy storage. It doesn't take up a lot of space. The challenge I had with it, which cracked me up, uh, was that I couldn't turn it on. Like I, you charge it and 
the light comes on. It says it's fully charged. And I'm hitting this button. The main button that looks like it's the on button is actually not the on button. You have to hit the plus. So if you're like me and kind of allergic to directions, just remember, hit the plus button once it's charged. And another lesson that I keep learning is you should charge your toys as soon as you get them. Like as soon as you're home, charge them because... The worst thing is when you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm so excited to try this toy out. And then you realize it has to charge for 15 minutes, an hour or several hours. So take it out of the box first. Charge it up. Uh, FYI, it is fun without the vibrator because I tried it that way first since I couldn't get it to turn on. I was like, I'm just going to use it. Uh, and the shape of it and feel of it, it's just a fun thing to, to try out. It's definitely a luxury toy, but simple enough that you can use it regularly, in my opinion. So there are some toys that have so many bells and whistles. I don't know if you guys heard my interview with Dr. Zipper from very early in Girl Boner. We talked about the afterglow, which is amazing. I mean, it's I don't even know how to describe it in a in a phrase. It's like a it's like a space shuttle of vibrators. And that one, you know, I could see using that once, twice a year, (laughs) you know, Um, definitely not like weekly or daily or anything like that. But the uh, Llama Rose Prism 7, which is the one I tried, is is a lot more like everyday versatile, whether you use it alone or with a partner or with more than one partner, however you love to, to play with your girl boner. I do recommend this one. And if you purchase it, uh, definitely take your time with it, I would say, because it's like many vibrators can get you off really quick. And that's fun. And sometimes it's exactly what you want to go for. But if you take your time and, and kind of resist and slow down, you can feel arousal through your body. So I would give that a go if you do check it out, which I hope you will, at thepleasurechest.com. It's currently selling for $109.95 and would make a sweet Valentine's Day gift, in my opinion. I will share the direct link in my follow-up post. And if you try it, I'd love to hear what you think. If you're enjoying Girl Boner Radio, please subscribe on iTunes so you will never miss a beat and consider leaving a simple review while you're there. For extras and a whole lot more, visit my website, augustmclaughlin.com or girlboner.org. Thank you so much for listening and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week. <laughs>